The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Good morning. It's Monday, the 25th of September here in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, the EU's top trade negotiator warns China it will be more assertive. Anger grows as Rishi Sunak considers scrapping part of HS2. And why Europe's unity on sending weapons to Ukraine may be in for another big test. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. The European Union's chief trade negotiator has warned China that the EU will be more forceful in upholding fair competition and defending its interests. Valdis Dombrovskis says the lack of a level playing field and wider geopolitical shifts have forced the bloc to become more assertive. Broadening access to China's market for foreign companies and maintaining a stable business environment is necessary to ensure fair and mutually beneficial trade relationships. Dombrovskis made the comments on a trip to China where he's meeting officials including Vice Premier Hurley Fang. The visit comes just days after the European Commission announced an anti-subsidy investigation into Chinese electric vehicles. Europe's main auto lobby group is urging policymakers to delay post-Brexit tariffs on electric vehicles. From next year, EVs traded between the UK and the EU will attract a 10% tariff if less than 45% of their value comes from the bloc. The European Automobile Manufacturers Association wants the EU Commission to push back the charge. Failure to do so could reduce production by close to half a million cars over three years. Bloomberg understands that Italian banks will be able to avoid paying a controversial windfall tax introduced last month if they set aside additional capital reserves. The proposed amendment also changes the basis for calculating the levy to a percentage of the lender's risk-weighted assets on an individual basis instead of their total assets. The new draft represents a compromise by Giorgio Maloney's government following a slump in Italian bank stocks and criticism from the ECB since the measure was first announced in August. Former Conservative Prime Ministers, business and university leaders are warning Rishi Sunak against derailing HS2, the £100 billion rail project. Cabinet Minister Grant Shapp says that it would be irresponsible to plough money into the infrastructure scheme as costs soar. We saw not just with HS2, but with our pace of change with net zero, that just because the media says this must be done, just because some people will say, you know, these are the popular things to do, he's prepared to do difficult things. Shapps' refusal to deny the plans added to speculation that the government would ditch its own flagship infrastructure project. It comes as Prime Minister Rishi Sunak seeks to radically reset his premiership as his popularity polls at an all-time low. In the United States, Republican hardliner Matt Gates says he's ready to shut down the US government over budget talks. The party are at odds internally on a government funding plan in the House of Representatives. Representative Garrett Graves says Gates' push to tie border policies into funding is counterproductive. 
If you want to empower Senator Schumer, if you want to empower Joe Biden, then what you do is you let government shut down. You don't pursue a continuing resolution. You don't pass the appropriations bills. That is the liberal solution. Graves is an ally of the Republican leader of the House, Kevin McCarthy, who struggled to control his party that holds a single-digit majority in the lower house. McCarthy has until the end of the week to find a solution or the government will have no funding. Meanwhile, Hollywood studios and screenwriters have reached a tentative deal to end a month-long strike. The Writers Guild of America, which represents Hollywood movie and TV script writers, walked out in May over pay and protections from the use of artificial intelligence. The industry has been at a virtual standstill in recent months, with actors also on strike since July, citing many of the same demands. A NASA capsule containing chunks of an asteroid that may hold clues to the development of our solar system has landed in the Utah desert after a seven-year space mission. The OSIRIS-REx mission was launched in 2016 and scooped up a large sample of rocks from a near-Earth asteroid three years ago. Cosmochemist Dr Natalie Starkey says it marks the first mission of its kind. We don't have any other samples that can tell us about those times. And the important thing is, is they're pristine because they haven't been through atmospheric entry. They're going to be looked after in this capsule that's come back from the, the spacecraft. And they're just the perfect samples that we could hope for. Dr Natalie Starkey and others believe the rocks could also help inform future missions to asteroids. The samples have been taken to NASA's Johnson Space Centre and could be opened tomorrow. Caroline, are you an Alexa user? Do you use smart assistants? <laughs> I must admit I am, yes. I've got at least two in the house. I am. Um, I don't consider myself a Luddite, but it's one of the things, one of the technologies that I have not adopted. I don't use voice assistants really? in any way. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's paranoia over what's being listened to or that I just don't see a use oh, for them yes. necessarily. No, I can understand that. No, and I do. And I also see, really, uh, given the leaps in artificial intelligence, why uh, Bloomberg opinion columnist Dave Lee has written uh, a story about what the point point of Alexa actually is. I mean, I must admit, I use it for very basic things like a timer. And Dave Lee is talking to the boss of Amazon's Alexa unit about actually what more this device is meant to deliver. I thought it was interesting that talking about maybe it becoming a subscription service. Yeah, exactly. So D- Dave Limp is actually leaving Amazon at the end of the year. So this is sort of a, an interview about where the technology is going next. Very much uh, worth reading from our Bloomberg Opinion columnist Dave Lee this morning. Okay, let's our attention then uh, to the big picture, to the EU's chief trade negotiator who says that the bloc will become more assertive when it comes to trade with China. Valdis Dombrovskis says that China's lack of reciprocity means that the 27-nation bloc wants to reset the relationship. This, of course, after the EU launched an anti-subsidy probe into Chinese electric vehicles. Joining us now to discuss is Bloomberg's China and Government Editor Jill Deesis. Good morning, Jill. Dombrovskis is in in China, then, for these high-level uh, trade negotiations and talks, including with Vice Premier Hu uh, Lifeng, the EU is clearly concerned about trade with China. Hi, Carolyn. Yes, I think it's very easy to say that. I mean, look, um, this is an incredibly important uh, trading relationship. I think the EU as a bloc uh, is one of the largest trading partners for China. This is a relationship that involves some $900 billion or more in bilateral commerce. So yes, uh, I think there's there's quite a lot of concerns here, um, especially if you look at the trend over the last couple of years. Uh, the, China is exporting more to the, uh, to the EU, but imports aren't really keeping 
paste there. So I think that there's a lot of concern uh, within the EU just kind of about how the dependency looks, what they can do to kind of uh, de-risk and ring fence some of their operations. And that's um, what we saw spill over into, for example, this uh, whole Chinese EV probe here. I think that that's, um, you know, sort of a um, this this consequence of uh, the push that Chinese electric vehicle makers have made into the European market um, and then what that actually means um, for uh, a lot of EU companies as well. And so all of this is kind of the backdrop to um, Dombrovskis visiting uh, China over the last couple of days and kind of working through some of these high-level talks. What sort of sense do we have of the reception these remarks might get, given what China has said previously about some of the actions like that EV investigation that the EU has launched? Yes, well, I think that at this point, um, you know, easy to see that uh, that China has obviously not been very happy with a lot of the EU's more aggressive remarks. This idea of them taking a stance, uh, we have and we haven't actually had official reaction to this uh, most recent speech Dombrovskis gave this morning. Um, this was a speech, uh, according to prepared remarks that he gave to Tsinghua University in Beijing. But we know that he's been meeting a lot with Chinese officials over the past couple of days. He's actually supposed to be in this meeting with Holy Fung, um, Vice Premier. Uh, at at this moment. So, I mean, you know, this is a very careful and considered relationship. I'm sure we'll get something more public out of China right now. But yes, uh, they have not been happy about that EV probe. Uh, there's a lot of sense within China that this is sort of unfairly targeting uh, um, Beijing uh, rather than being something that's a little bit more, you know, sensible and, and, and maybe not as politically charged. But yes, you can you can see just from uh, those types of remarks in the past over the CV probe um, how, how charged this really has become. Yeah, absolutely. So then what about the next step, the idea of a summit between President Xi Jinping and the EU's Ursula von der Leyen later this year? I think that we're still waiting to see what form that might ultimately take and when exactly they would meet. Um, I will say that what's happening right now, and so the entire reason why Dombrovskis is currently in China, is it's part of this um, this high-level economic and trade dialogue. So, I mean, this is one of the most important EU-China-related summits that's happening this year. So I think that what that does is even if you've got these um, you know quite strong comments that are coming from the EU's trade chief at this speech, um, you know, I mean, th- there's a certain element of this that, of course, is strategic and calculated. And I think the fact that uh, he's having some of these closed-door meetings with really, really high-level officials kind of indicates that there is still a desire to figure out this relationship, what things ultimately look like. I mean, look, just over the past couple of years, we've moved away from really strong language on decoupling, for example, to now de-risking and sort of working through this relationship. So sure, I think that once we um, get away from this, um, we've got a press conference from Dombrovskis expected tomorrow. Maybe we'll get a sense of what those even higher-level meetings between von der Leyen and, and uh, Xi Jinping ultimately look like. Okay, Jill Deesis, our China government editor, thank you very much for joining us with the latest on that story as Valdas Dombrovskis continues his visit to China. The Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. 
Now, we want to bring you a story from Slovakia next. The former Prime Minister, Robert Fico, could seal an unlikely comeback in elections this weekend, but he wants to end military aid to Ukraine, which could further test European unity on the issue. Our Eastern Europe economy editor, Andrea Judic, is joining us now for more on this. Good morning, Andrea. Thanks for your time. What does the victory potentially mean, then, for Europe's political landscape? Good morning. His possible victory will be a huge test for Europe and its United States for Ukraine and against Russia when it comes to sanctions and weapons deliveries. How could a return to power change the broader stance that Europe has towards Ukraine and and overall help for the country? Robert Fico has many times said that when he takes power, he will stop all deliveries of weapons to Ukraine from Slovakia, which is a NATO and EU member. He also said that sanctions on Russia are meaningless and useless, and they not only hurt Russia, but also EU members such as Slovakia. So what we could see is him teaming up with Viktor Orban of Hungary when it comes to crucial votes inside the EU. Who Who's his main ally or main allies within the European Union? I mean, um, you mentioned Hungary is, is a key um, ally, but who else is he allied to? Robert Fitzgerald, during his previous terms, he was a very pro-Western politician who stood who stood at the core of the EU. He oversaw the country's Euro membership. But lately, he has become very close to Hungary's Viktor Orban and also to the leadership in Poland. So what we could see a strengthened block of countries that have been at odds with the EU over the last few years when it comes to rule of law and uh, corruption fight. Andrea, tell us a bit more about Robert Fico. He's someone that has been around on the political scene in Slovakia for a long time, but notably has been out of office for several years. Yes, um, he has been in power for um, the last time he was ousted several years ago. And since then, he has turned um, very much anti against everything. He was very vocal about the coronavirus, how people should um, not buy into the government um, stance. He was very much against Slovakia's help for Ukraine and has repeatedly said that sanctions are um, not the way to go when it comes to dealing with Russia. Um, He also has seen his popularity fall to record low, but because he has been able to embrace this anti-stance and everything, um, he has really risen in polls in a country that is very pro-Russian. Yeah, five and a half million people um, in the country. Do you think that he's going to embrace the far right in his ruling coalition again? This is very much a theme across continental Europe. Uh, you know, what would the government look like potentially? What's the polling like? Well, it's to be seen really depends on the election result and how many parties cross the threshold to get into parliament. But what we could see is him teaming up with his former um, ally who set up his own party, which mirrors the party of Robert Fitzo, and possibly he could embrace the far right in the ruling coalition. The far right in Slovakia has very extreme views on Ukraine's possible membership in NATO um, and overall help for Ukraine. So If that happens, that could really strengthen Robert Fitzel's anti-Ukrainian stance. Who who are his opposition in this election? What what are their their strengths uh, or their arguments given the position that you've outlined that Robert Fico has? 
Well, it's mainly this, the Progressive Party, which is second in polls, and the gap between them and Robert Fitch's party has narrowed significantly in the last few months. Um, it's a very liberal party that wants to stay a key player in the EU and in the countries um, um, backing for um, Ukraine. Uh, what we just need to see whether that party will be able to mobilize more voters. Um, whoever wins the election is the first party that gets to try to form a ruling coalition. So the victory, even if it's by a couple thousand votes, will be very important. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.